everyone, and welcome to Brunch and Learn. I'm your host, Nicole Dillon, and this is a podcast for women who love to brunch, like myself. Here, we talk about two of my favorite topics, brunch, obviously, and the idea that we can learn something new every day. Each episode will interview a new female powerhouse, gab as though we're girlfriends at brunch, and learn something for our brains. So let's get started. Hey everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Brunch and Learn. Today on the podcast, I have a longtime friend and fellow event planner, Maria Burke. She is a party planner and has been since the age of 10. She lives and breathes event lifestyle down to every last sparkly detail. Her mission is to create experiences that spark delight, and she is the founder of Pop Productions, the event studio behind Dessert Goals and Rom-Com Fest. So I really hope you guys enjoy today's episode with Maria. Hello, Maria. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you and to a, a fellow event planner. Yes. Love it. (laughs) So how about we kick things right off and tell us a little bit about who you are, what are you working on, how you doing? Sure. I'm doing all right. I guess like the rest of the world right now, I'm inside my apartment most of the time um, in Oakland, California. Um, And I am an event planner. I have a company called Pop Productions is an event studio, and I founded two festivals that spark delight. One is called Dessert Goals, and one is Rom-Com Fest, and so that's most of my days are working on those, and right now is really figuring out how to create virtual events, because that's what the world is doing currently, but yeah. normally they are in-person experiences. <laughs> how is that going? It's going. I think it's a new kind of challenge. I think I realized how much what I like around event planning is creating an experience, in-person experience, and that kind of moments of connection. And so reimagining what that can look like on the internet is a, a new challenge to think about and analyzing all the resources out there. But hoping, also just planning and hoping for when this is all over and we can do things in person in real life together that was one of my questions Um, getting way way ahead (laughs) where you kind of see that future of events going especially since you I know you do a lot of niche events and kind of where you see those niche events trending yeah I think I think they will niche events will continue to trend I hope I think that's kind of what I have uh started just with dessert goals as my love and now from that realizing how fun it is to create these communities and gatherings around specific niches and see that popping up in so many ways i think with the what the future events will be is there might be a lot more of these digital iterations over the next probably year even um, but hope that when it's safe, we'll all be able to be gathering together again and doing them in person, even if it starts in like smaller group settings before we can kind of 
scale back up again. I'm going to jump around probably a bit, but sure. I guess to get everyone a little bit more familiar, can you tell us a little bit more about Rom-Com Fest and Dessert Goals and what that kind of backstory is behind yeah. those two brain children totally. of yours? So I have always wanted to be an event planner, I guess, since I was like a kid. I used to plan these very elaborate birthday parties and then in high school started planning all the school events and prom and college did all sorts of fundraisers and different club events um, and just kind of always knew that's what I wanted to do and worked with different agencies and clients in New York and has always been sort of a journey just within events as to what type of events I wanted to plan and realizing more and more it's wanting to plan events that I would want to go to has been kind of the underlying mission of it all. So Dessert Goals started back in 2016 with a friend. Uh, she had a, did freelance design and I was doing kind of freelance events and we bonded our friendship over desserts and noticed how in New York there was a festival for everything from like burgers to like vintage clothes, yet there wasn't one for desserts yet. And so it was just this very like natural, like, hey, let's start one. You're a designer. I'm an event planner. Let's see how it could go. So we found this new venue that was opening and pulled in some of our savings and just booked this like one day dessert goals experience and it went way better than I think we could have imagined like the press around it the excitement our tickets sold out in like 10 minutes it was just like such an exciting time and so fast forward now four years later um, we've had nine iterations of the festival both in New York and LA um, my friend has left so I'm the solo solo gal behind dessert goals um, and really just creating these in-person experiences, celebrating desserts. And now uh, with this pause of in-person events is really forcing me to think through kind of the bigger term strategy and other ways of engaging people and creating resources around desserts. So focusing a lot more on our blog and our newsletter and different Instagram live and virtual events and ways to really celebrate desserts and all things sweet through this other content. Um, so that's sort of the dessert goals land right now. Uh, and then Romcom Fest, I started uh, in the end of 2018. So I had been doing dessert goals for like two years and just had loved the opportunity of bringing people together around something that they love, desserts, and thinking through other niches or topics that bring me joy that I really love and rom-coms are a big one for me uh, and I have been going to film festivals with my family for years growing up uh, I worked on Tribeca Film Festival for a year and so kind of had the back end and front end experience of film festivals a little bit but no experience in the film world directly but always felt that rom-coms didn't get the recognition that they deserved through these festivals. And uh, the idea for it came about right when To All the Boys I Loved Before was getting really popular and Sarah Burgess is a loser. And I watched the two back to back 
when I was working in uh, Boise, Idaho on a conference. And I was just like, wow, these movies make me so happy. And I miss these sort of feel good rom-coms so much. And then I was like going for a walk in the neighborhood and saw this cool movie theater with a poster outside for a horror film festival. And I was like, why are there all these film festivals around these other genres and why there should be a rom-com one? And I looked it up and there hadn't been one yet. And so it was that kind of like light bulb moment of creating a film festival around rom-coms. So 2019 was our first year of the festival in Los Angeles. our second year was supposed to be this summer, which is now on pause. And similar to Dessert Goals, we are working on our blog and newsletter um, and just connecting this community of rom-com lovers. There are so many podcasts dedicated to rom-coms. We've been talking to them um, and different, different community groups and trying to create experiences to celebrate the genre in person eventually, but for now in this virtual universe we live in. That long and short story of the two. (laughs) Hope that was okay. And that was like another question that came up. What is your favorite rom-com movie and dessert? Oh, yes. It's so hard to narrow it down, really. But I think uh, my all-time favorite rom-com, which I heard on Instagram, is yours as well, is 10 Things I Hate About You. have literally watched it so many times. It just brings me a lot of joy. And Kiwi Smith, one of the writers of 10 Things I Hate About You, who also wrote like, Legally Blonde and so many amazing rom-coms, uh, she actually spoke at our festival last year and is now on our advisory board. And we like text and she gives me advice and oh, it's cool. kind of amazing. So it's, who are you? <laughs> it's a very surreal, cool, happy world, full circle. Um, but yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You is favorite. And dessert is a very tough one because I eat a lot of desserts, but chocolate chip cookies I would say are my fave sort of like the mix of gooey and crunchy I think Levon Bakery in New York is like the all-time fave cookie Um, but I will take pretty much any chocolate chip cookie I'm looking forward to try chip in New York City oh yeah I haven't had theirs I haven't either but um but they look just as epic um, I think I had said donuts because they're both a breakfast food and a dessert. I like um, but- the strategy behind that. <laughs> I thought a lot about it. <laughs> but really same, like chocolate chip cookies, brownies, and anything chocolate. Um, and I love 10 Things I Hate About You, but someone had also wrote in another favorite, You've Got Mail. Mm. Classic. Super classic. It's right up there. But I do yeah. love me some Heath Ledger. Yeah, I know. I think I've been going in like a tom hanks um spiral the last few weeks like, <laughs> he's been in so many amazing rom-coms and there's so many other i guess like movies that i hadn't seen in so long too and we watched that thing you do which is oh, not necessarily so a rom-com but i didn't remember that he wrote it also directed mm. it i was just like tom hanks for the win he's so talented <laughs> <laughs> he is <laughs> I was also thinking, yeah, it's totally random. Do you like Gilmore Girls? You know, I oddly never watched Gilmore Girls. Is like, uh, I, I was going like to hit you on that. I was yeah, like, a Gilmore I mean, Girls fest. Yeah, I feel like I missed it somehow and then never watched it all. I don't know why or how I missed Like, I was so into the, the OC and Gossip Girl and all the other things. I'm watching all of Veronica Mars right now, which I never had watched either, which feels insane 
similar, but I think it's like too late and now so many hours to watch it, which now I have, I guess, could be the you time. <laughs> and then get back to me on the Gilmore Girls Fest. Okay. I bet that exists. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, it does. This whole thing where you could go to the place, right? I feel like there was a festival like at the town where it's yeah. made. I was going to go and then I, I didn't. Okay. But no, I think you could do it. <laughs> Someone's done. It's been done. <laughs> That's There's always one. room for another, another version of it. That's true. No but one does say, it the way you do it. That's step one is researching what has already been done in, in your niche before you launch something new. <laughs> so I've already failed you. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, any other tips of doing that? Um, to research um, before researching before um yeah, yeah. i mean i think See, even if it's done you're right even if it has been done doesn't mean it can't be done but it, what would be your like different spin on it i think is an important thing to think about i also wanted to know you kind of touched on it but like what sparks your passion for events yeah i think so it really was since i was a kid was like these elaborate birthday parties that i would plan and they would always end up with me like hysterically crying because my friends never participated in the way that I wanted them to. It was like the one I remember the most is my 10th birthday. I was obsessed with who wants to be a millionaire. And I created a whole who wants to be a 10 And I made my dad be the host. And we wrote out all these questions and all these things. And there was like a group of the like, girls who just like totally ignored what I was trying to control so it's nice planning events for people who like actually want to be at them as opposed to like friends you're forcing to participate in them but I think the idea of creating doing all the work and then having it come together and see the smiling faces and the like happiness at it is always what makes me make it so worth it makes the hard work worth it and just like seeing the result of it coming together in such a physical way is what does it for me i agree i feel like when i first moved to new york city i didn't know what i wanted to do but then like this popular job title was community manager social media manager and after a while i would go to these meetups and it felt like everyone was like hot shit and like <laughs> and I was like rethinking this and I don't think there's anything wrong with being like in digital and social media it's super important and necessary but I was like do I really want to create things for another brand and not my own do I want to answer mean tweets like we all also need customer service people so okay. amen but I think at that point it was like a turning point of just like I've always planned events and what I really love is with events and especially like experiential events, I will not remember a tweet or a meme like a week from now, but I will always remember like the host greeting me or the speaker or the food at an event or uh, someone I met. So I just like love that I have always been able to remember those things. And yeah, like those lasting memories yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I feel that same way. And when the, the hard work pays off, <laughs> it's also very rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's so different when I talk to friends who work in 
I mean like movies or tech and it's like you're working on the same thing for like years before it happens Mm -hmm. I don't think I am wired to do that (laughs) I like the more like immediate uh, satisfaction of seeing something happen I'd love to know also like what does that creative process look like for you when you're planning events yeah it kind of varies on the event, I guess, but I get a lot of inspiration from Pinterest and Instagram, definitely. I think a lot of my events will have different uh, themes or decorations or we'll work with different vendors. And so just like a dangerous spiral sometimes, but <laughs> clicking through um, on Pinterest of different inspiring images and theme ideas or on Instagram, like if I'm researching dessert vendors, is like, look at influencers or blogs and see who they post about and jumping around so it's a hard like inspiring creative and also like soul crushing (laughs) sucking of instagram sometimes but um definitely do get a lot of creativity from that i also just have lots of google docs of ideas different um kind of like dream wish lists or goals that maybe can't happen right now but like to go back to later um and sort of the next step is usually like looking through those google docs or notebooks and kind of pinterest boards and narrowing down to kind of create more actionable steps and like timelines uh, to make things happen i love that you don't make it just about dessert but you switch up the theme each time yeah <laughs> i love that yeah, it's been fun i think we started that the first like three events maybe didn't have themes and then it was sort of like we knew the desire was still there to keep doing the circles but with everything it's kind of like how to iterate and change it up so um themes has been such a fun way to differentiate each event and have people the attendees participate so we encourage people to dress up in themes and a lot of our vendors will make like exclusive desserts to the theme and different backdrops for it so a lot of our attendees will come to like all of the festivals and I think it makes them each stand out a lot, um, which is fun. The next one is going to be pattern party, which I've been really excited because I feel like all of my clothes have a lot of patterns that they never actually go that well together. And I've been trying to figure out how to do more like mix matching of pattern. And so I feel like this, this is the opportunity to do it is through this party of patterns. And very glad that all this kind of happened because I couldn't go to the first one <laughs> because I had another event. Yeah, so. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can go to the next one. That's so funny. I feel like <laughs> I've heard that from other people about all of this where it's like, oh, shucks, people had to cancel, but now I can go. So <laughs> that's good. Uh, I'd also love to know what's your biggest, like maybe planning, project management, tools, tips, what do you, you mentioned Google Docs. What else? Yes, Google Docs is a big one for me and like Google Sheets. Um, I There's so many different great softwares online. I I think one of the few ones I've stayed consistent with over the years is Asana, um, A-S-A-N-A. There's just a free version that I use as like a project management tool. So I have a different uh project for each event that I'm working on and then you can 
have tasks within it. And when I work with different interns or freelancers, I can add them into Asana um, and assign tasks to them and write notes and link to things. Um, so that's a big one for me. And then I am a part of a lot of different Facebook groups. Uh, I think there's so many amazing ones for different niches. Like I've been in a lot of female ones, just like other entrepreneurs or like dreamers and doers and uh, freelancing females and just like different resources and connections. But when I launched Romcom Fest, I did a little more researching and there's a Facebook group called Film Festival Organizers. It's like 2000 people who plan film festivals all over the world. And it was just so amazing in launching because all the questions I had, they already had answers to of just like how to, which best platforms for things, how to respond to things like people I'd never met before who wanted to help. Um, so I think just looking to see if there's any other community groups or Facebook groups doing something similar to that you want to do to see if there's um, resources that you can share there. Um, and I'm actually launching, entering into the world of courses as everyone is doing now. But I've been putting together, I spoke at Alt Summit earlier this year about event planning for your niche. And so I'm putting together a my first digital download um, that will be all of my tips and tricks um, about uh, everything from tools to getting sponsors to timeline and marketing for event planning for your niche. So that's coming soon on my mariaburke.com website so we got a teaser yes <laughs> my next question was about partners and sponsorships so are you going to disclose <laughs> sure yeah so i'll have a bit more in my little course that i'm launching but i think the biggest any tips as far as getting sponsors i uh, i do a lot of research to see what brands are targeting me which works for me because I'm I'm the target audience for my events that I organize. It might not be true for all events, but for me, it's like millennial women are the audience of Dessert Goals and Rom-Com Fest. So which brands have Instagram ads and Facebook ads and are in sponsored newsletters and just like have this running list of companies that are obviously trying to reach the female millennial audience and building out these kind of like dream lists and then doing a lot of research to finding the right contact for the brands and sometimes is a lot harder than others sometimes it's just like sending to their generic hello email and hoping it gets to the right person but to see if you can find a media or marketing representative from different brands like some light linkedin stalking to see if you can <laughs> find the names or if you have friends who work at certain companies who you can ask to make an introduction. Um, and one of the best tips I have been doing for years is researching press releases of different brands and seeing if you can find the media rep for that specific brand. So if you'll look up like Hershey's press release and then find a press release and scroll to the bottom, a lot of times they have different media representatives or PR companies that are doing it and then finding those email addresses. And then putting together a email to send out to them and different packages and like a media kit if you can of any pretty pictures and information and 
I think it comes down to just a numbers game is like reaching out to a lot and hope that a few reply. Do you find that with these kind of niche events, the media and press has come to you or you've had to work in it? Is it a balance you feel? Yeah, I think, um, so I've definitely invested in the press in, in like setting ourselves up to get press uh, for both Dessert Gold and Rom-Com Fest since the first iterations have included in our budget public relations company just knowing that I'm a small team and kind of can't do all the pieces on my own and outsourcing someone else to help with that and so I think in that kind of commitment has helped in just getting us out there but I think Dessert Gold and Rom-Com Fest were just at launched at the right time with very like buzzy desirable niches that with the press releases and the PR companies kind of did that legwork but we were really fortunate that it was the right time for both of them where we were able to get a lot of really great press for both of the events and I think with dessert goals we continue to but it's now as we're entering in number 10 of the festival it's just like how to stay relevant, adding the themes at different venues, like have to keep kind of reinventing it a bit in order to stay relevant for press. Do you, I guess, I don't want to go into trade secrets, do you like year after year have the same kind of vendors? Do you kind of actively search to switch up new ones? Yeah, for dessert goals has been the like, random rule of basically not kind of a max of like five repeat vendors each time in order to keep it fresh so since there are so many attendees who keep coming back we want to make it feel like a new experience each time and so much of dessert goals is really around that discovery so having a mix of vendors that people know and love and they want to come because they're following them on Instagram already but with brand new vendors that they wouldn't know about yet and having it be an opportunity for them to learn about new companies. So uh, we, I set it up so that there's only one vendor per category has been our kind of rule since the beginning. So as opposed to another event where there might be like five people with donuts, we have like one donut vendor each time and try to really challenge myself to come up with different types of desserts uh, to really have that sense of discovery. So each event is uh, between like 20 and 25 vendors with that like about five max that are repeat. Uh, and we've had like over 190 vendors at our event over the years now, yeah. like this epic Google doc of like Dessert Goals alumni. And so I've been doing a lot more recently with this like Dessert Goals alumni list. Uh, and for this whenever it is our next festival, it's gonna be number 10. And so we set, I set it all up that it's all alumni. So for the first time, it's all past vendors going back. So all your kind of favorite vendors uh, in one room and doing a lot more to feature our alumni on our blog right now. We have our like alumni features and doing different giveaways with them and people who have been a part of our festivals before finding ways to bring them back since it has been this rule where we only have a few repeat at a time. So now we get to kind of dip back into the list and bring people back. I was just going to ask that. How do you kind of nurture those relationships? But that's what I've been seeing on your end yeah. a lot of a lot of giveaways, a lot yes. of email newsletters featuring them. Well, we're trying right now. So totally a new, really just like this last month 
is all new for us. In the past three, almost four years has all been like just content of promoting each festival and like jumping from one festival to the next. So now kind of taking a step back and looking through like have done surveys with our community, what people want really so much is like just people want desserts and free desserts and stuff. So setting up different giveaways and ways to promote our vendors and and showcase fun content for people. Do you have the same role with drink or salty partners? Not really. Yeah, um, yeah I guess those have been more because like sponsorship related. So that's not a rule quite as much, but with- <laughs> Take um, what you can get. Yeah, with our, <laughs> with our drink sponsors, it started, I mean, Box Water has been with us since the very beginning, has been such a great partner to work with. And then as our venue has gotten bigger, is like we have more room for more drinks. So we've always had a coffee and a water. And now we'll also have like two, one or two other kind of flavored beverages. So it has been fun to work with different brands, but we've had like a few different coconut waters, different like flavored waters. Uh, a few different coffee brands we've worked with and uh, I just think they're perfect like pairings to go with desserts and yeah. also I think with the sense of like discovery it's fun to have different different of them there because people get to learn about new ones so um, like this last LA event we had like three different brands as part of our salt bar and people were really excited because it was like three new salty snacks to get to discover so I think fun to change those up too we used to have um just like bulk containers which uh like when we were smaller and slid under the radar with the health department was okay where it was kind of more of like a self-serve um cheese balls which people love these cheese balls but we can't have those anymore because they need to be pre-packaged um but when we got rid of the cheese balls people were very upset about I remember those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is hurtful right now. No, <laughs> no, the cheese balls are gone. I love but those. They, you can buy them on Jet for like $5, these like tubs of cheese balls. That was what our assault bar was for many <laughs> times. It's actually such a kind of great question in a <laughs> bad way. Like, is there any mistakes that you went to? How did you make Did someone come and like slap you on the wrist? How did that even happen? Yeah, well, <laughs> so in Los Angeles, we have always submitted our event to the health department. They're, it's very strict there. And I don't know why in New York, it just all my research, it, it didn't seem like we needed to since it was ticketed or the way our event was, it, it didn't seem like it was. And our last event, um, in 2019 was party animal themed and I think they and we had a dog friendly hour and the health department saw it and thought it was like a food festival with dogs and freaked out about it so they we got we got their attention and then we had to submit all this new paperwork and they come and they walk around and they check every vendor and so yeah so the bulk bulk food is now gone which I think in this new coronavirus world is for the best. We don't really yeah. want to be contaminating things. So it would <laughs> <we>, uh, <laughs> not have been a good time to have bulk salt bar items. So it will all be more healthy, health friendly and prepackaged now. Is there any other fun lessons you learned along the way? <laughs> um, I think just different things we always do is we'll set up 
um, with our dessert vendors. We have contracts to have them be a part of it. And kind of a few festivals in, we started doing like a damage deposit because you, it's so rare that it happens, but sometimes vendors have made messes or damaged areas. And then we end up getting the bill from the venue for any damages. So just being like really clear um, about the damage deposit with vendors and yeah, it's having really clear contracts with anyone you are paying or is paying you is something always to be cautious of. Is that something you're also, I guess, investing in as like a lawyer or um, attorney, accountant? Yeah. Those kind of hats that might not be yours. Totally. Um, Probably not as much as I should all the time. Like I don't have someone like on retainer helping, but there's people that I have worked with to like build contracts in the beginning that then we use and people that we can help get help from and have a accountant that we work with but um yeah a little bit of taking the hats off and sharing them but for the most part I'm still wearing most of the hats (laughs) wear a lot of hats a lot of hats (laughs) I'd love to know a little bit more about your strategy digital social media email as you kind of mentioned going to that digital side and virtual side now that events are a little slow right now what's that look like to you I think I I know I think at least I know what you're doing because I see um, and I love your like emails and all your giveaways and I've been really yeah enjoying like how you think creatively especially with your emails of like zoom backgrounds and coloring pages and tapping into your network and alumni but kind of what what else like what does that sneak peek look like I'm curious of you can't always sometimes replace niche events. You have to experience desserts. <laughs> so sure. what does that look like kind of for you? I think the biggest learning or thing is that it's always changing uh, our strategies of like, especially just since all the social platforms change and there's new algorithms and all these things. So like desserts, we rely a lot on Facebook and Instagram as like our biggest driver uh, for like our ticket sales for our events has always been, but just as things change, figuring out what type of content to post, um, doing more things on Instagram stories, which I mean, weren't a thing a few years ago. So it's kind of just adapting with what the changing trends are, though we're not on TikTok yet, even though that seems to be the biggest trend. I just, my dance moves are not skilled enough for that. But yeah, I think the blog and the newsletter feel like the content that we have the most control over. I think what's always so frustrating with Instagram and Facebook is like making these things that people don't actually see. So at least with the newsletter, it like hypothetically goes to your inbox and people can see it and choose to open it if they want, as opposed to it not even showing up on their page. So um, we've been, been toying around with new kind of mission statements for desertables that really just encompass this community and resource and togetherness of like all things desserts so from like how to start food businesses to recipes to vendors to like top places to go kind of putting together different content plans and goals and I think really just like trial and error too with the newsletter 
That's so hard to know. And I think right now is like an odd time to test things out, but it's sort of the choice is like testing out newsletters that just have one call to action versus ton of call to actions. Yeah, can't say the strategy is totally developed yet. We're definitely in like a trial and error mode, but trying to do surveys and um, ask questions and just see what people want to see from us and then kind of developing for that. But with the hope that whatever we come up with now is not just like the band-aid until we can do these live events, but will be like a continuation of our business even when there are. Have you found anything more successful as you're starting to test than maybe something else? Like I think you just recently did an IG live kind of baking. <laughs> yeah, that was the first one of that. And yeah, I think it was, it, it worked. It was successful. There was like a few hundred people that tuned in and then figured out how to like export it and upload it on IGTV. So um, yeah, I think it's, we just doing more of everything and figuring out how often to do it, I think is what's hard to know right now, but testing that. And I think I want to test out different platforms and trying out ticketed versions of virtual events. Cause I think right now there's obviously so much free content happening on IGTV and IG live and stuff. But if there is a way to have a bit of a revenue stream until we can do our, physical events that's kind of the next iteration of what we're going into planning it out yeah <laughs> i think some wrap-up questions is what brings you joy desserts and rom-coms obviously <laughs> um but yeah i think seriously those are like i mean right now when there's not a lot of joy in the world is like turning on a nice rom-com and eating ice cream definitely brings me a lot of joy and so doing, um, having opportunities to embrace both of those. I've been getting really into reading a lot more recently. I think like reading with a nice cup of coffee in the morning is a good routine that's been bringing me joy. Uh, and I'm a, a big fan of sleeping. I'm like a light, need a lot of hours of sleep kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> that brings me joy. And I guess going into some more wrap-up questions, I know you like desserts, but do you like brunch? Of course. <laughs> I feel like everyone has to do. say that. Yes. Yeah, do people go to that question? Not <laughs> yet. Do um, don't like brunch? If they did, we'd have to end the podcast. <laughs> I would never see the light <laughs> of day. They'd be off. Yeah. Air. <laughs> What's your favorite brunch meal? Um, or spot? Could be anything. Brunch meal or spot. The one that I am missing the most, I think, that I haven't tried to like recreate at home yet, is a place in Oakland near my house called Grand Lake Kitchen, and they make these savory French toasts that are so good that I probably could try to make, but I just have not tried to do that. But yeah, I think I'm, even though I obviously love sweets, a lot of more times I want a savory breakfast. I'm a big fan when people do like a like pancakes for the table type thing where you can get like a, a few bites of sweetness. Uh, but I like more savory. But I guess one of the sweet things I really like that I'm also missing is another place in California, but they are doing nationwide shipping now. It's called Third Culture Bakery. 
and they make mochi um, donuts and mochi muffins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have these mochi waffles that I like fantasize about. They're like so <laughs> dense and chewy and they make these homemade whipped creams. And that's like a regular brunch spot that I go to. <laughs> now that you say that and you mentioned before that you Pinterest and IG a lot for research do you ever find yourself because I do the same with brunch do you ever find yourself like doing that and like saving and liking things and then you're just really starving yes definitely (laughs) I mean I have gained so much weight in the last few years of dessert goals I feel like I don't I don't have a lot of control or I go through phases of control but yeah the days where I'm like updating the website or doing anything with photos that I'm like need dessert now (laughs) what is the like what would you say is the most unique dessert you've come across oh wow (laughs) um hmm, that's so hard there's so many I think um there's a vendor in uh Los Angeles called Pops Creamery that make these like amazing um coconut and like pineapple ice cream fantasy creations that are just like really like real flavors and good but they he premiered at desertcles in LA last year a coconut creme brulee that was like half of a coconut with coconut creme brulee in it with like ice cream on top and it was really good um (laughs) But I, it, it was, and it was also very Instagrammable, obviously, because it was like in a coconut. But I know. it was fairly flavorful. I feel like that's your Emma. Was like you have to be Instagram worthy to be. I think it tastes <laughs> better. It tastes better when it looks good. You exactly. Phones eat first. <laughs> um, I also forgot you got, you went to Thailand, right? Oh, I did. Yes. Way those those desserts look good. Yeah. That was crazy. I tried um, to make a mango sticky rice. Yes. And I it failed. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's a lot. I took a cooking class there and it was like the way to make the rice is like a day long process to make the good sticky rice. And they didn't, I mean, they were like, okay, and now here's the rice. It's done. Normally you would do X, Y, Z. Like we didn't actually do it all because it takes too long. Um, but yeah, we ate. I had so many desserts. It was like every day, like, oh, guess I got to try this. Guess we got to try this. Now too. Would you consider taking either of these events other than New York and California? Yes, definitely want to. Um, I think for dessert goals, for sure, where we had plans to launch in a new city this year that are on pause right now. But um, I think there's, Uh, Just from our Instagram followers, we have people like all over who are always asking us when we're going to come to their cities. So there's a few um, that are kind of top of our list that hopefully next year we'll be able to be at. And I think with Rom-Com Fest, I think New York would be the next place to do it. Um, So for now, for now, who knows? But yes, yes, the answer is yes. would want to bring them more places. (laughs) Awesome. I could talk to you forever and I'm diverting (laughs) from my last question. (laughs) Since this is the Brunch and Learn podcast, I always ask, what is something new that you learned this week? Yeah, I think 
uh, I know we like keep talking about this already, but just like this whole virtual event world is like just something I never had knew anything about. And now I have spending a lot of hours researching just like the difference of Zoom versus Vimeo versus YouTube Live and Instagram Live and all these things and just like how to host virtual events. So yeah, learning a lot about that and also been learning of like how to set up these online workshops and like digital downloads and courses and all these ways of online experiences. So learning all the things and doing some trial and error to see what works. I'd also like to learn that. (laughs) Yeah. I have this like epic Google Doc I've been making of best practices. Happy to share with you. Cool. Do you also, uh, I, again, I keep diverting, like goals for yourself, because I know you're like a recent speaker, you're launching in different cities. What else is on the um, five-year plan, two-year plan? That's a great question. <laughs> I think getting, I guess, just figuring out these like next iterations of everything and how to kind of expand beyond the in-person events feels like the big goal is like right now even like in the mission statements for Desertcles and Romcom Fest, they're like festival, like dessert festival, like a film festival. So like kind of 2.0 for both of them is what are, what are they beyond just festivals first and how to like relaunch the brands with these digital resource and newsletter and blog and learnings and kind of expand our, audience that way that's kind of the first and foremost goal (laughs) um that hopefully will continue into the two and five years too I think with as you know too like planning events is a lot of work and tiring and like the scalability of it is always daunting um and so having these kind of other uh, arms of the businesses to continue on is the goal right now. I guess I did want to finally wrap up. So how about, can you tell people where people can find you on the internet? Sure. So uh, my personal Instagram is Maria Burke. It's a tricky one. So it's uh, M-I-R-A-Y-A-B-E-R-K-E. Uh, and my new event planning for your niche course will be launching on my website which is just mariaburke.com and then the two businesses it's our instagrams are omg dessert goals and rom-com fest and yeah lots of pretty photos of desserts fun rom-com movie quotes lots of joy and delightful things 